Welcome to episode number 104, The Psychology of Forgiveness. I'm your host, Damon Soka. First of all, I appreciate those who listen to this podcast channel regularly. Your support and really willingness to share has allowed a greater reach than I could possibly have imagined. And I ask that you would please continue to share. Today's episode covers a particular topic that is of great need to us all, but is one of the more difficult emotional states to accomplish for those who suffer from mental illness. Forgiving someone when you are the victim, or innocent victim, can be one of the most hard-fought battles of your life. It is not easy to forgive. I believe that the difficulty level increases when mental illness is part of the equation. We can suffer tremendous pain, anguish, sadness, hurt, and even physical deterioration when we harbor ill feelings, anger, hate, and pain. Research has shown that harboring grudges or even milder ill feelings towards another person not only causes our emotional state to suffer, but even our physical body, even when the individual may not have inflicted any physical scars upon us. If you take all of the research and look at what a lack of forgiveness causes to occur in our minds and bodies, one can truthfully say that the after effects of an injury can be far more damaging than the initial Im- injury itself. What has been found through research is the same that the Lord has been saying throughout generations. Forgiveness is a blessing to those individuals who obtain it. Now, with most, now most of the research really has not been specifically directed towards those who have mental illness. And even within psychologi- psychological circles, spirituality and religion really has not garnered much attention at any real level. Yes, there have been studies, but the reality is that they've been limited. What has been done has shown that being religious or having a religious background is often a more positive influence than actually a negative one. Thus, psychology really has a very limited understanding that the place of the place that religion has within the forgiveness sphere sphere and mental illness. However, for members of the Church of Jesus Christ and for many other Christians, forgiveness has been long regarded as critical to happiness and overall spiritual and physical health. It is one of the foundational pieces of the doctrine of the Savior, and he has referred to it many times throughout the scriptures. However, I think that sometimes we don't fully understand the meaning of forgiveness, how to attain it, or even how to begin the process. Yes, we know that we need to forgive and forget and move forward, but often our minds and hearts are not on board with the rational explanations and doctrine. Just because I tell you that there are wonderful benefits to forgiving someone, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden your mind's going to say, well, that makes sense. I guess we should forgive and move on, and then it happens. In fact, me telling you that you need to forgive even can build a wall between you and I. Our hearts and minds tend to be, for whatever reason, for resistant to unconditional forgiveness. Thus, forgiveness is really a learned process, rather than simply changing our minds. Now, I personally don't believe that our resistance is some type of evil nature because of our fall. Although there might be a small component to it, I like to think of it in the form of justice. We came from a very fair and just world, and our Father's nature and his desire to maintain order and justice among his spiritual creations is one of the many things that actually makes him God. His creations know that he will be fair, honest, and true 
and that whatever mercy is given by him will be given appropriately. So deep down inside of us, we possess this nature of justice. We desire to see fairness and justice. It's just part of who we are spiritually. Now I call it our justice bone. When someone injures us, we desire to seek justice. We want punishment according to the injustice we feel. Now there is also another part of us that is kind of counterintuitive when you really think about it. While we really desire justice for those who have injured us, we tend to want mercy when we are on the other side of the equation. We desire to be restored quickly to the same trust we had before the injury. So while on one side of us we have deep emotional desires for equity and punishment, strangely on the other side we have almost as deep desires for mercy when we are the ones who have caused harm. We are at times a little confusing as humans. I do, however, believe that the mercy side of us also has the same origins from our Father in Heaven. Before this life, we fully understood that we needed mercy, or we were not coming back home. And so somewhere deep inside of us, we know that our Father in Heaven is very merciful. And when we commit error, we expect that we will receive mercy, especially when we are honest about the hurt we have caused and have attempted to bring about whatever restoration we can. It is important that we possess merciful desires in our lives as much as desires for justice. However, it seems that as humans, we tend to focus on the on others' errors and really not so much on our own. We also tend to downplay our own errors and aggrandize those of others. If you take two individuals who have committed the same error upon another person, you will find that it is likely that both individuals believe that the error perpetrated by the other person was worse. But we're really not going to talk too much about all of that. Let's talk about the victim side of the equation today, as that is really the most difficult position in which forgiveness occurs. Before we get too far into mental illness and its effects upon that equation, we're going to define or at the very least try to understand what forgiveness is. The scriptures do give us some good understanding of what it means to forgive. The first thing that should be mentioned about forgiveness is that it is a commandment, not a suggestion. The second thing we should understand is that the Lord left no openings for qualifications, meaning he didn't say you must forgive everyone except when you've been abused. There are no exceptions in the Lord's requirements. He also notes to his disciples that even errors committed repetitively upon someone do not qualify for an exception, noting that we should forgive up to 70 times 7 of the same error committed upon us. Forgiveness is then to be truly unconditional. I also cannot state, I will forgive you if you do something for me, or give me money, or spend your life in jail. The Lord has been very specific that our forgiveness must be total and complete, regardless of the penance of the perpetrator, or even if the perpetrator is unwilling to acknowledge the harm. The Lord also expects that forgiveness will come in a timely manner. We can't say, I will forgive you at the judgment bar, but not till then. Okay. I get it. When we talk about it, that's a pretty high bar for forgiveness. And the reality is, it's a pretty tough requirement, given our emotional desires for immediate justice and our mortal emotional states. We can look at that requirement and say, how can I ever get to that point? Do you not fully understand what he or she did to me? How can I just erase it? What am I supposed to do? Act like it never happened? Now, there are some other important clues about forgiveness in the scriptures that are important to us and important to the subject. Justice, mercy, and forgiveness 
actually, when we do these things, require that we pass judgment on someone, meaning that we have to pass judgment on someone to say that they've sinned or committed an error. Our own personal justice then takes it further than that simple breach of trust. Personal justice means that we will pursue action against the person until a full penance on their part has been fully satisfied by our perception, meaning that we pursue action against the person until our emotional state says that their punishment in misery is sufficient. Now, the Lord has spoken about judgment and casting judgment. His words have actually been pretty clear on the matter. In Doctrine and Covenants 64, he states specifically that action, any action, should be taken by the Lord rather than the person. In other words, leaving judgment unto the Lord and allowing his more perfect understanding of the problem to bear the brunt of the punishment. We are really truly asked to leave action taken to the Lord. There are also a few other notes of to forgiveness within the boundaries of the scriptural pages. Not only are we not to take action, but we are also not to harbor long-term feelings and continue to bring to mind or to bring to present the transgression. We are actually asked to never speak of it again, to put it out of our lives. The Lord has said that when someone is repentant, he will forgive and remember the sin no more. I believe that he expects the same from us even before that person has repented. We should not continue to bring up past histories and transgressions of others or even of our own. There's no value in doing so, especially if we have truly left the punishment and full judgment to the Lord. Finally, there are some qualifications that are afforded us as far as certain types of injuries. First, when someone commits a criminal act, we are asked to report it to the proper authorities and then leave it to them. We should not report it and then expect a certain outcome as part of us forgiving that person, meaning we should do our best to allow civil and criminal courts to take action, even when that action may not feel sufficient. Second, we are not required to stay in an abusive situation or in a situation where someone will continue to harm us because forgiveness means that we forget and forgive. That is not the intent of the forgiveness commandment. We do have the right to remove ourselves from the situation and get protection if needed. The Lord does not require us to remain within the hands of individuals who continuously hurt or injure us in various ways. Removing oneself is not a lack of forgiveness, but it's actually part of allowing the forgiveness to begin on our part. Now, the next question is, how do I know that I've even forgiven someone? Remember that we are beings who rely upon emotions and what we feel to act. One of the major ways in which we can know that we have forgiven is that we do not harbor ill will towards the other person. This doesn't mean that when we think of the error or the sin committed upon us that we don't have some residual feelings. What it means is that we don't desire action from ourselves to avenge the sin or error perpetrated upon us. One of the better examples I can recall is what I would call the unfaithful spouse problem. When a spouse is unfaithful, it can create a tidal wave of hurt and distrust. When I have counseled with the spouse who has not been unfaithful, the one thing I noted when forgiveness had been granted was that the faithful spouse was still concerned for the spiritual welfare of the unfaithful spouse. This doesn't mean this didn't mean that trust was anywhere near restored or that the hurt was entirely gone. It meant that the injured spouse truly desired and was concerned for the spiritual welfare of the other person. They were not seeking retribution or revenge, but truly desired that the unfaithful spouse repent and move forward in their lives. They were able to look past pain and distrust 
and see, see someone who was also suffering and needed help. Now, I do not believe that forgiveness requires that a couple stay together or that their faithful spouse give full trust right away, although I suppose those things are possible. What it means is that we have left punishment truly to the Lord and that we ourselves are concerned for the individual's spiritual welfare. Even in that, even in that particular context, it's still a difficult accomplishment. When we suffer, we expect others to suffer just as much as we do. That's just part of our human nature and mortality. When we can see past the hurt, allow the Lord to grant us relief and focus on the salvation of the one who has hurt us, then we have crossed that plane of forgiveness. It is interesting in the research about forgiveness to note that some psychologists have noted that pain is inevitable in life, but suffering is a choice. We're going to bump into one another on a frequent basis, whether by accident or by purpose, and we're going to feel pain. But continuing to feel pain and suffering is really our choice. We actually choose to harbor pain and hurt and suffering as much as it does not sometimes feel like a choice. Now, to mental illness and forgiveness. The forgiveness road gets steeper and more rugged as you throw mental illness into the mix. We normally have difficulty controlling our emotions when we are hurt. When you add an illness that throws our emotions into high gear, out of whack, then the task just becomes more difficult. Add to that the part of the illness that tends to dredge up old wounds to justify our depression or anxious feelings, and you really have a perfect storm. We can, in a normal state or even in an episode, however, however it might be, have worked through forgiveness and felt that we have conquered this justice bone only to have an episode that brings it all back again. For those of us who suffer, forgiveness requires a much greater level of difficulty. The hurt, pain, feelings can all return in just a few short days, and we can feel as though all of our effort has been wasted. This is as true when we forgive others as often we forgive ourselves. Often our illness just doesn't allow us to do what we would like to do. Now, I think there are three things important to understand about forgiveness when you are suffering from mental illness. The first is that forgiveness is possible even under the difficult circumstances of mental illness. The second is just because our illness brings back all of those feelings doesn't mean that we haven't forgiven someone or have worked through the process. Third, we must be forgiving about our forgiving. Now, I know that sounds strange, but we must forgive ourselves if we take time to work through the forgiveness process. Most of us know that we need to forgive, and we know that it is a commandment, but we tend to forget that forgiveness is really a process, not a single act. Our bodies need time to process hurt and pain. The problem is, is that many of us do not process it. We bury it, and we don't work through the anger, guilt, and hurt. To feel hurt, emotional pain, and even some suffering is going to be natural to the process, and it is actually part of the forgiveness cycle. But addressing these instances can be difficult, especially when the other person feels no need to make amends or address the issues. We should work through these feelings with ourself, the Lord, and a confidant who can help. In fact, the Lord desires us to do what we can on our side. There is a problem when we bury these feelings or feed them. In both cases, we are still going to eventually have to work through the problems, but we are pushing them down the road where Honestly, it is going to be much more difficult. 
Subconsciously, however, it can feel better to bury these feelings, hoping that the lack of the light of day will cause them to die. But the truth is, is that buried hurt rarely resolves itself and actually tends to grow rather than shrink into oblivion. What we find is that those deeply buried emotions cause a host of emotional and actually physical, physiological problems to the point that some, even some mental illness is often caused by others' actions. Now, I realize that take talking about our feelings and appropriately working through the grieving and the trauma is not easy in any sense of the word. But in the end, the value is immense to us. The value of finding forgiveness is truly that the next time we need to forgive, it actually becomes easier. Our mental and physical well-being will be increased, and depending upon the injury, it can be increased significantly. And we will find the peace and happiness that we desire. Now, given these benefits, let's talk a little bit about the how. The first thing that will be incredibly important to the process is to start with the Lord. Placing the Lord as the priority in the process will allow for the full effect of the atonement of Jesus Christ to work in our lives. I have personally found that the Lord provides healing to an innocent victim as fast as the person will allow it to occur. When we have partaken of covenants and are faithful to them, we have access to the powers of heaven, and I mean all of the powers. I can tell you that if you ask today for healing, that it will come that it won't, I can't tell you that if I ask today for healing, that it will become by tomorrow, but I have seen where it does. If you involve the Lord in every step, you will actually find the process to be easier, to go far better, and oftentimes with greater speed than you might expect. The second thing we need to do is our part. I've never ended one of these podcasts without saying that we need to do our part, and then the Lord will do His. The Lord expects that we will seek out the help that we need. And so whether that is a therapist, a good friend, a counselor, or a confidant, we're going to need some help. That amount of help is really going to depend, is, is individual and depends upon us. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't seek it out. Third, <clears throat> the Lord expects in the do our part exercise that we not only use the resources available to us, but that we manage our mental illness. Any type of major or minor injury is likely to upset our mental illness. And so we should be careful to maintain those treatments we are using, and if needed, see a doctor about revisions to our maintenance plan. As I stated earlier, mental illness is likely going to slow this process, and it's going to take a greater effort. One thing that is important when you deal with this emotional trauma and mental illness is to continue to manage the illness, as though the injustice has not occurred. Sometimes, actions of others will derail our best efforts, and we're going to need to regroup and reinvigorate our maintenance of our mental illness. Managing your mental illness to the best of your ability will significantly aid in the process of forgiveness. Fourth, do not place a timetable on the outcome. Allow the Lord to set the timetable and to work with you. A person can quickly become frustrated when forgiveness feels like it's never going to come. My experience is that healing can be as quick as an immediate miracle, but it is often more longer, often, more often a longer process of work and adjustment. What the Lord requires is that you work at it. Allow your mind and body to grieve, if need to get angry, and then be healed. Fifth, this is a tough one, 
Ask the Lord to help you to see the person as he does, the other person as he does. You might not be able to honestly ask this at first, but it should come in time. And I would say, even if you don't feel like it, ask for it. A change of heart will never come unless we approach the spiritual heart surgeon, who is the Lord. Only the Lord can really give you the necessary gift, and it will not come without serious, prayerful petitions and doing your part. Finally, and I have said this already, but I'm going to repeat it again, don't get frustrated when things don't go exactly the way you planned. Sometimes our body's needs and our rational mind don't view things on the same level, and we can give up far too soon. You may still get mad once in a while, even when you thought that you were past it. Don't let this short reoccurrence bring back the whole problem. Just understand that with mental illness and emotional trauma, recovery doesn't take a rational straight line. Don't collapse in frustration. Simply take it for what it is. Just part of the process and move beyond it using whatever techniques best suit you. If you have a relapse of emotion, because of a trigger, and you are likely to have one, if not many, then understand what is happening to you. You will need some coping mechanisms for those memories and moments, prayer, meditation, relaxation techniques, music therapy, and a host of other good techniques can and should be used. Most of all, understand how much the Lord desires that you forgive and move on, not for the other person, but for your own emotional and physical health. He'll take care of the necessary punishment and the sin in his own way and time. Now may the Lord help you to seek forgiveness and move forward. There is no need for any sin or error by another person to continue to punish you and cause you to suffer more greatly. Now may you do your part so that the Lord can do his. Until next week.